The following audio is from Grace Fellowship of Westerville. To learn more about our church, please visit our website at www.gracefcwesterville.org. Amen. Thank you, Tim. Taught him everything he knows. Look to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you so much for once again being in your house, in the house of prayer with brothers and sisters and worshiping and praising your name. And I ask that you be with us in this study as we continue to go through the commandments, the Ten Commandments, and how they apply to us today in our daily lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, today is March 8. Does anybody know what March 8 is? National International Women's Day, right? And my wife reminds me every day how lucky I am to have two women in my life. And a, brown, a brunette and a blonde, she said yesterday. You're, you're so lucky. You got, a, you got a taste of both worlds, I guess. But today is also a special day for me and my family because March 8th marks 29 years that we landed here in these states of the United States of America. 29 years. So 1991, not by boat. We came by plane. We landed here in Columbus. And, you know, and one of the things that my dad was so, so happy about, or how would you say this, anxious about, we're coming into a Christian, Christian nation. Christian nation, at least that's what we thought, or that was the perception in our, back in our country. But they didn't know that something tragic happened in this country. Something tragic has happened in America, and we're still getting away from the very basic standards of morality that was rooted in these Ten Commandments. Quick history lesson. 1962, the Supreme Court ruled that voluntary prayer in the classroom and public classrooms of the United States is unconstitutional. That's 1962. In 63, they said they would no longer read God's Word in the classrooms. And it didn't take long for the next step in posting the Ten Commandments on classroom walls is illegal. In 1982, Supreme Court ruled that we cannot teach that we were created by the Almighty God. And teaching creationism was ruled unconstitutional. And why am I saying this? Because I want you to understand 1962 to 1982, that's only 20 years. 20 years started reversing the foundations of what this country was built upon in 1982. What was the country about? 200 years old, somewhere in there. 200 years worth of building is just being reversed so quickly. And from that point on, it just continues until this day. We can't post the Ten Commandments, but I tell you what we can do. A child can go into a classroom or school-based clinic and receive birth control devices. So they can practice safe sex. They can do that. Um, you know, they can't get aspirin without parental advice. But they can get advice on abortions without parental guidance or being parents being involved without their consent or knowledge. What happened? Let me read you a scripture in Isaiah fifty nine fourteen. It says, Justice is turned back and the righteousness stands afar off. For truth is fallen in the street, and equity cannot enter in. What is this a picture of? 
Picture yourself a traffic jam. Traffic jam. Here's equity, justice, judgment, and they're all backed up. Why? Because the truth has fallen. And because the truth has fallen, judgment, justice, and equity cannot get by. Well, how did the truth fall? Truth was knocked down by our educators, the professors of philosophy, tripped down by dishonest politicians, chloroform by, you know, liberal and weak pulpits, preachers. We're, we're part of the problem. Pulpits are part of the problem. And justice, judgment, equity cannot get through because the truth has fallen. So what's our job? What is our job? Our job is to set truth back on its feet. That's what we need to do. And that's what a commandment today in Exodus 20.16 says, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. God is simply saying, thou shall not lie. Stop lying. You're to be truthful and honest. And honesty is not just the best policy we teach our kids or or right policy. It's the divine policy. Why? Because in Proverbs 12.22, God says this, Lion lips are abomination to the Lord, but those who deal truthfully are his delight. The person who lies cannot be trusted because his word can't be trusted. And this commandment really also safeguards the reputation of the individual. We talked about reputations in the men's study. Now, there's a difference between character and reputation. Character is one thing. Reputation is another. Character is what you really are. Reputation is what people say you are. And I would say character is more important than reputation as far as more important what God knows to be true about you than what people say true about you. And character is what angels say before God, and reputation is what they chisel on your tombstone, right? And, the, and I don't want to put down reputation because the book of Proverbs also says the reputation, a good name, in Proverbs 22.1 says a good name is to be chosen rather than the great riches, loving favor, favor rather than silver and gold. It's a ter- terrible sin to lie, and especially lying or being dishonest about another individual or writing something that does, not, uh, does damage your reputation to another person. So why is it we find it so easy to lie? Uh, say dishonest things. See, lying is to protect ourselves from others, uh, enhance ourselves in the eyes of others, and do damage to others, making ourselves to look better than some others, or looking at making ourselves look better than we we're, we're actually are. And where did the lying begin? So you know, when I was doing this commandment, I'll tell you, this commandment was the hardest one for me because. I didn't know what to talk about today because there's so much about lying in the Word of God. There's there's so much. There's, you know, but I got to thinking really in the world, there's only two families, right? Family of God and family of the devil. There's no in the middle. So I'm going to present it this way. First, I'm going to introduce you to the, the family of false witness. So who's the father of false witness? If you look at John 8, 44, it says, You are of your father. This is Jesus Christ having a conversation with the Pharisees, and Pharisees were bearing false witness against the Lord Jesus Christ. And he looked at him and said, You are of your father the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie... 
he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. So every lie was produced by the devil. Devil is the father of all liars, and if you're a liar, you are of your father the devil. And, and you're, 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 therefore, when you tell a lie, you're acting like your father. You chip off the old block, so to say. So you're never more like the devil when you're telling a lie. So the devil is the father of false litness. So that's the first thing I wanted to look at. So how was he a father of false witness? What, he, what does he do? You see, the first time we see the devil in the book of Genesis, what is he doing? He's slandering God before man. He's slandering God before man. And he creaked his way into the books of pages of history, into the Bible, when he confronted Eve, and he slandered God in a threefold basis. And the first one that I want to look at is in Genesis 3.1. You know, now the serpent was more cunning than any beast in the field which the Lord had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat from every tree of the garden? See that? Has God indeed said? He slandered the truthfulness of God. And any time a man puts a question mark after the word of God, he slanders the character of God. Because when we question God, we make him a liar. In John, 1 John 5, 10, it says, He who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself. He who does not believe God has made him a liar. So when we don't believe God in his word and we start to question it, we're making God a liar. And a man in his word may be different, but God's word don't change. And the devil put a question mark after the word of God. So he continued on and he slandered the righteousness of God. If we look at Genesis 2.17, it says, But of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in that day you eat it, you shall surely die. You shall surely die. What the devil said in Genesis 3.4, Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. You will not surely die. He slandered the word of God. If he wasn't finished, he slanders the goodness of God. If you go down to Genesis 3, 5, it says, For God knows that in the day, this is the devil speaking, if, if you eat of your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. What the devil is saying here is implying that God is withholding out on Adam. God was cutting them short of the fulfillment that God somehow maybe cramping their style, not being fully open with them, that God has withhold good things and, you know, their eyes are closed to all these things. So he's slandering the goodness of God. So in the devil really means slander. But not only we find devil bearing false witness about God before men, he also does the opposite. He slanders men before God. And we know the great story of Job. You see that in Job uh, chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, From where do you come? So the Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro on the earth, and from walking back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to them, Have you considered my servant Job? They, and that there is none like him on earth, none like him on earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and shuns evil. So the devil begins to bear false witness here shortly. He begins to slander Job. So he's walking around. The devil is a spirit. He's everywhere, walking around to and fro and 
God says, there's none like him on earth. Have you paid attention to Job? And in Job 1.9, he says this, the devil. So Satan answered to the Lord. He said, does Job fear God for nothing? You see, this is kind of the same thing when he told Eve. Has God indeed said he should need it? Now he's telling God, well, Job is righteous and upright man. Well, does he fear you for nothing? What is that? What's the implication? He's saying, God, Job got you for a sucker. The only reason he's listening to you or upright because you bribed him. You have bought him off. You've been good too good to him. And notice how dirty he is. You know, and Eve and Adam, he's saying, hey, God is holding out on you all these goodness things. And then with, with Job, he's saying, well, you're too good to him. You're, you're too good to Job. That's the only reason he's worshiping. So you'll find him slandering God before man and slandering man before God. But I thank for God for, for Job, and I thank God for, you know, you know, serving a job. What, what did he say? Though he slay me, in Job 13, 15, I will trust him, even so I will defend my own ways before him. And I want to tell you, there's some people here that are going through some difficult times, and you have said the same thing. And that's very motivating to me as a pastor when I pray with you and I talk to you, because a faith like that keeps me going, and a faith like that shuts the devil's mouth. That's what it does. So I'm very thankful, though he slay me, and God picks out certain people, and God allows certain people to suffer so that they can prove to this world there's something real to it, and we can be a Christian even though our lives and things are not in the right order, or he's not shining down on us. Not only that, so he's slandering God, slandering man, but he slandered to crucify the God-man, Jesus Christ. Corrupt man, and, and, and what, how did he do it? How did he slander? If you look to Matthew 26, 59, Bible tells us that they sought false testimony in order to crucify Jesus. Matthew 26, 59, now the chief priests and elders and all the council sought false testimony against Jesus to put him to death. Why they need false testimony? To ruin the man, to ruin his reputation, to destroy, to kill Jesus. And I want to tell you, when you, when you uh, begin to bear false witness, you put yourself in some terrible company. Not only your father is the devil and the desires of your father you do, but Jesus said he's a liar, he's a father of it. So you become part of the devil's family. And we know that if the father is the devil, father of false witness, there must be some children, right? If he's the father of all lies, he must have some children. So look at the, let's look at his family here, some children. First person I want to look at is by the name of a perjurer. A perjurer. Look at Exodus 23, first two verses. It says, you shall not circulate a false report. Do not put your hand with the wicked to be an unrighteous witness. To be an unrighteous witness. You should not follow a crowd to do evil, nor shall you testify in disputes, so as I turn to a side after many to pervert justice. What does this mean? This means perjury refers to lying under oath, official oath. That means that when you stand in front of a court or you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth, and then you lie, you perjure yourself. And the 
wrath of the Almighty God is upon you. People don't realize that because justice is based on truth. And if a man lies on the witness stands, he may rob another man of his property, his time, his reputation, maybe even his life. And it's alarming to realize how widely this commandment is broken in our courts today. I was reading and one Supreme Court judge in New York said, we have reached the point where we merely try to find out which side is lying the most. Not the truth, but which side is lying the most. And I want you to know, while you may testify falsely in the trial, you may pull a veil or close the eyes of judges' eyes or jury's eyes, but there's a different court coming. There's a different court coming, and I'll tell you with all authority, unction, junction, function, whatever you want to call it, we will stare before Almighty God, God and you will be judged. Because you bear false witness, you transgress against the commandment. There's another thing that's coming, and we don't realize. In Revelation 20, 12, it says, And I saw dead and small and great standing before God, and the books, not a book, books were opened, and another book was opened, which the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. The books. Did you notice God is keeping books? He's not some evil guy just keeping all, you know, trying to write down every bad thing you do. But there are books. Books, the perjurer is one member of this family. And folks, we need to realize. And for me, you know, sometimes it's hard. But I would rather stand with God in truth and be judged by the world, folks. And I'm not just saying that as a pastor or something Christian would say, because in the end, I don't want to stand up with the world and be judged by God. So God is keeping books. So the second name I want to look at is the tale barrier. I think this is where most of us would fall into. We like to tell stories. In Proverbs 18.8, it says, the words of a tale barrier are like tasty trifles. And they go down into the inmost body. But no matter how tasty they are, they're poison. In Leviticus 19.16, he says, You shall not go about as a talebearer among your people, nor shall you take a stand against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord. In 1 Timothy 5.13, Paul writes, And besides that they learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house, and not only idle, but also gossips in busybodies saying things which they ought not. So we might not be going house to house, but we now technology changes. We might be calling, we might be texting, we're spreading the, the, the false messages, the rumors. And in Proverbs eleven thirteen says, Tail barrier reveals secrets, but he who is a faithful spirit conceals the matter. So tail bearer is the one that spreads the Innuendo, right? Some people seem to have a keen sense of rumor, they say. Somehow they seem to enjoy spreading these things. But as we read in Exodus, you shall not circulate a false report. This is to begin a rumor. And you know what? How did Jesus, one of the things that they do is spread rumors about Jesus. Satan is keeping his tactics the same. It's just different methods. But how did he do a rumor? Well, how did they get false witness against Jesus? Well, they said, destroy this temple. Remember that? He was talking about his body. If you look at John 22, 19, it says, Jesus answered them and said, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. 
So they used that against him. They said, oh, he's going to destroy Herod's temple. So if you look at Mark 14 and uh, verses 57, 58 says, then, then some rose and bore false witness against him, saying, what do they say? We heard him say, I will destroy this temple made with hands, and with three days I will build another one made without hands. Well, that's not what he said, but that's what, how they turned it around. And rumors really travel fast. I heard of a new pastor came to a church, and, they, you know, pastors are, we're, we're rolling the world to, uh, to rumors, believe it or not. And just like everybody else. And the word got out that the pastor came to the ladies' Bible study and pulled his wife out of the Bible study and yelled at her and took her home. So, you know, the ladies' Bible study thought that was rude and started kind of spreading it around the church. So finally the rumor came back to the pastor that, uh, that this happened. And he stood at the pulpit and he said, I want to address this rumor. And he said, I want to mention four things. He said, number one, I... Never interfere with the choice of my wife and what meetings she goes to. She, she, she goes as she wishes. Number two, my wife did not even attend the meeting in question. Number three, I did not come to the meeting and pull anybody out of that meeting. And number four, I don't have a wife. But they're easy. Start a rumor, right? I believe Charles Spurgeon said something like, you know, the truth, travel, uh, the, the false, false gossip travels around the world before the truth even puts on its shoes. And in Proverbs 26.20, it says, Where there is no wood, the fire goes out. And when there is no tail barrier, strife ceases. Strife ceases. So another name I want to look at is the flatterer. Is a member of this family. In Proverbs 26.28, it says, A lion tongue hates those who are crushed by it, and a flattering mouth works ruin. God lists flattery with lying. God says if you flatter other people, most of the time, you're, you're hurting people. You see, flatterers, for the most part, try to make merchandise out of people. And I want to tell you something right here. There's nothing wrong with giving honor. We talked about that a number of times. There's nothing wrong with expressing sincere appreciation. We read about it last Sunday in Romans 13:7, And Romans 12:10 also says, Be kindly and affectionate to another with brotherly love and honoring, giving preference to one another. But the flatterer is a person who will make merchandise of you. And you have to watch when you're getting too much, a little bit, flattery. In Proverbs 29.5, it says, A man who flatters his neighbor spreads a net for his feet. And folks, I've been in ministry for a while, believe it or not. I had flattery. I had praise. I've been thankful when I received praise. And I received criticism. Yeah, believe it, right? But I've learned to pass on flattery, praise, criticism, all to Jesus. You know, if there's praise, I don't deserve any praise. It's all Jesus, to God. If there's any criticism, I'll pass it on to Jesus. Now, if there's criticism is true, then God help me that I can learn from it. If criticism untrue, then I just pass it on to Jesus. Because at the same time, we, we need to realize we're probably as bad as some people think we are and not as so good that, as we think we are. And, but I find comfort, though, because if you've been slandered falsely or flattered falsely or accused of anything. There's a wonderful psalm, Psalm 3120. It says this, where God protects 
his peoples. He says, you shall hide them in secret place of your presence from the plots of man. You shall keep them secretly in the pavilion from the strife of tongues. Strife of tongues. Isn't that great? God guards us. He gives me that inner peace on the inside. And if you just pass all the praise and criticism in your life to Jesus, you'll be all right. And in, in, but you have to watch the flatterer. And I want you to learn another psalm here in the book of Psalms that David learned about flatterers. In Psalm 55, 21, he says, The words of his mouth were smoother than butter. They're smoother than butter. But war was in his heart. His words were softer than oil, yet they were drawn swords. So pay attention to the flatterer because this is breaking the ninth commandment. Now, the next name I want to look at is the insinuator. Now, there is no word insinuation, insinuator directly in the Bible, but there is insinuations. If you look at uh, 2 Corinthians 12, 20, it says, for I, for I fear lest when I come, I shall not find you such as I wish, that I shall be found by you such as you do not wish, lest there be contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, um, selfish, selfish ambitions, backbiting, whisperings. You see that word, whisperings? Conceits, tumults? Insinuation is one of the most damnable ways of bearing false witness. And we'll look at some. You know, the scripture I read to you earlier where we talked about the father, the devil is the father in John 8, 44. It was a conversation between Jesus and the Pharisees, and they were talking about that they belong to the father Abraham. And then, you know, one of the things that they said when they continued the conversation is one of the most hateful things I think is written in the Bible, at least in my opinion. And yet, no one can prove, no one can prove they meant a thing by it, the Pharisees. Look at John 8, 41. So, you know, they're saying, our father, father is Abraham, and he's saying, no, your father is the devil. And then they continue the conversation. It says, you do the deeds of your father. He's telling them that they're of the devil. And they, they said to him, we're not born of fornication. We have one father, God. Do you see what they try to imply here? The sneer? Did you catch what they were saying to Jesus when they were talking to him? They were saying, we know who our father is. You don't know who your father is. They were insinuating that Jesus was the illegitimate son of Mary, and yet they didn't say it in so many words. They said it with a sneer. That's the insinuation. So, I was reading a story about a captain, and he was keeping a ship log of all the things that happened throughout the day. And one of the things that he wrote in there, he wrote in there, the first mate was drunk today. And the first mate begged the captain to remove that from the ship's log. And captain, no, that's what happened. That's what stands. So a couple of days later, his first mate's turn to keep the log, ship's log. And he wrote in there, the captain was sober today. Do you see the insinuation? That's how we lie. Even though it's the truth, what he's implying was the captain was sober today, meaning he was drunk every other day. 
There's some people who pride themselves in that they can use language to precisely can say one thing and mean one another, you know, completely another. But there's one, I want to remind everybody, who knows your heart. And anyone, everybody been here guilty of insinuation? Have you lied by insinuation? Anyone? I know some of you have because you'd be like, Pastor, your sermon wasn't that long today with an eye roll. But for example, I'll, I'll, I'll use myself as the example. I did it two months ago when I got pulled over by a cop. I was speeding. He knew it. I knew it. God knows it. But when he pulled me over and says, you know, the reason I pulled you over is because you were speeding. And I said, I was speeding? So you see, I didn't lie. But when you say that, you're insinuating that you didn't know. And the next name I want to look at is the slanderer. You know, James reminds us in 4.11, if you think back to our study, it says, Do not speak evil of one another, brethren. But let me show you what the brethren did to Jeremiah. In Jeremiah 18.18, it says, Then they said, Come and let us devise plans against Jeremiah, for the law should not perish from the priests. The law should not perish from the priests. Nor counsel from the wise, nor the word from the prophet. Come, let us attack him with stick and stones. No. With the tongue, and let us not give heed to any of his words. We're going to slander him. We're going to make up stories just kind of like they did with, with Jesus, and we're going to ruin his reputation. And Proverbs 10:18 says, "Whoever hides hatreds has lying lips. Whoever spreads slander is a fool, is a fool. That's what the Bible says. And folks, I want to beg you, and I want to plead with you that you will Never be part of gossip or slander if you're a member of this church. The devil rather, you know, said this before, start people, he'd rather start a church for us, gossiping, slandering, than do anything else. Even, I don't know, sell five pounds of cocaine on the street. He'd rather start a church for us. How does church for us start? Gossips. Gossips. And if Psalm 101 verse 5 says, whoever secretly slanders his neighbor him I will destroy. The one who has haughty look and proud heart, him I will not endure. And you may agree that slandering is gossiping is a sin, but you know, what does it say about listening to those things? What does the Word of God teach us about listening to those things? You know, there's a, there's a law, for example, in this world against stealing, right? We talked about stealing yesterday. So you can't steal stuff. But there's also a law for receiving stolen goods, right? So when you receive gossip, you are participating, you're becoming an accomplice to the crime. And some people say, well, I just don't understand why, you know, that people just want to tell me all these things. Well, I understand because they think you're the kind of person that wants to hear it. Somehow, it's, not a, it's a devious compliment if people want to use your ears for garbage cans. Perhaps you send out a signal that you're that kind of person, you want to hear juicy gossip. And there was a saying that says, the one who others slander ought to be hung by the tongue, and he who listens to it should be hung by his ears. So we're responsible not only not for gossiping, but also not to listen to gossip or false witness. And the last name I want to look at is the name silent. The sin of silence. The sin of silence is not speaking when you ought to speak. Not speaking when you ought to speak. 
And, you know, too many Christians keep the truth on ice instead on fire. And I'll tell you, you know, when the Bible says, and I said this before, you shall not do something, the negative, that means there's something positive. It says you should not do something, that means there's something else that you should be doing. And when I say don't stand outside, I use that example, what does that mean? Come inside. So when the Bible says you should not bear false witness, that means you should be truthful, you should be true, and have faithful witness. In Leviticus chapter 5, verse 1, it says, If a person sins in hearing the utterance of an oath and is a witness, whether he has seen or known of the matter, if he does not tell it, he bears guilt. See, the word, proper word here is cowardice. Becoming a coward. Silence is not always golden. Sometimes it's just yellow. When you see this sin, when you refuse to speak, when you refuse to testify, you also break the spirit of this commandment. When you hear a good person whose name is being slandered, or you hear something that's not true, a person is being criticized, you say, you know, you know what they're saying is that it's time for you to rise up. Time for you to rise up and say, that's not so. Because you're aiding by keeping silent. And I tell you, one of the persons or a person we ought to be taking aside of every day. Because he receives more false witness than anybody else. This is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. More false witness is being tolerated about Jesus than everyone else in the world. And what do we do? We just sit there. It's a, we see distortion of character. We hear our God and Savior name being taken in vain. And we just sit there. Well, he died for you on the cross. Isn't he your Lord and Savior? Have anyone interrupted and said, hey, don't, don't speak like that about my Lord and Savior. He's my Lord and Savior. Have we standing up or are we just keeping silent? And in Isaiah 43, 10, it says, you are my witnesses. You're my witnesses, says the Lord. So defend, there's no, the truth needs no defense. All it needs is witnesses. And cowardless, being silent, not speaking the truth is one of the ways that we become a member of this foolish family. Because we see a lie, we see God being slandered, and we sit there and don't say a word. And why? Are you of your father and desires of your father you want to do? He was a murderer from the beginning and liar. So when we participate, we become members of that family. Why do we bear false witness? Why do we lie? We try, try, but then we lie. The truth of the matter is because our hearts are naturally what? Deceitful. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And out of this heart, we said a number of times in Matthew 15, 19, for out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts, murders, adulterers, fornication, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. All of it. See, a man is not a liar because he tells lies. He tells lies because he is a liar. And in Psalm 58, 3, it says this, The wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray as soon as they are born, speaking lies. See, we don't have to teach our children to lie. We have to teach our children to tell the truth, don't we? And, you know, 
we blame the environment or whatever. No, you put a kid or raise them by an app or some remote control on an island, when they get old enough, they're going to lie. They're going to lie. And children really learn to lie from us. I heard one mother one time tell her son, Johnny, if you don't stop lying, there's a man, green man, lives on the moon, and uh, he's going to catch you and make you pick up sticks for the rest of your life if you don't quit lying. Well, that's a lie. But in seriousness, so what's the fate when we become of this family? What's the, what's the fate of this foolish family that, that perjure, that lie, that keeps silent? What's the fate? Proverbs 14.8 says, The wisdom of the prudent is to understand his way, but the folly of fools, folly of fools is deceit. And the most foolish thing you can do is be dishonest. Because why? Because first of all, it's, 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 it's hurtful, it's very damaging, especially if we're talking about reputation of men. And there was a man who lied about another man. He was severely harmed and damaged reputation and so forth. And then he was dying. And this man who spread the rumors was called along his bedside and he realized that the damage he caused to him and he said, I'm sorry, I've lied about you and I, before you pass, I want you to forgive me. And he said, I forgive you, but do me a favor. Take my pillow and cut it up and empty out all the feathers through the window. He was kind of puzzled, but he did it anyway. And he said, I did as you asked. He said, now go pick up all those feathers. Go pick up all those feathers, gather them. But that's impossible. And that's what happens when we start spreading lies. You can't go back and take that. You can't go back and see all those lies and take them back. And, and, and it's also, folks, I want to understand that God hates lying. It's one of the sins we sometimes think, you know, sexually moral sins and those things we have our way. But God hates lying. He really hates lying. And in Proverbs in 6.16, God wrote down some things that he hates above other things. And you look, at, look at what it says in 16 through 19 in Proverbs 6. These six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are of a nation to him. Proud look, a lying tongue, that's ones. And hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that deceives wicked plans. Feet that are swift in running to evil. A false witness who speaks lies. And one who sows discord among brethren. See, in verse 17 and 19, it kind of mentions lying twice more than any other sin that he hates. And false witness corrupted mankind. False witness corrupted the world. And again, God hates lying because of the damage it does to others, but also hates it because the damage that it does to the person that's lying. There was a man in the neighborhood that was parking his car in weird spots. You know, parks it there three days, then he moves it down the street, parks it this three days, and I'll, I'll use the name Beth for this story. And Beth spread a rumor around the community that the reason he parks the car in different spots is because he's having an affair with all these women. So finally the rumor got back to him and figured out it was this lady named Beth that spread the rumor that he's having an affair with all these women in the community. So what did this man do? He took his car and parked it in front of Beth's house. She worked really, really hard to reverse the rumor. The fate of all of witness. 
In Bible, it says in Revelation 21.8, but the cowardly, unbelieving, domineering, murderers, sexual immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is second death. And again, we pay attention to, hey, unbelieving, murderers, sexual immoral. But God says also all liars, all liars. And in Matthew 25, 41, he says, Then who all say to those on the left hand, Depart from me, you are cursed into the everlasting fire. It was for the devil prepared for the devil and his angels. Hell wasn't created for us. So what does that mean? What does the word angel mean? Does anybody really know what word angel? Angel means a messenger. So when you're bearing false witness... You're telling a lie, you become the devil's angel. And I want to tell you, hell is no joke. We don't hear it from the pulpit quite a lot. But that's one thing that Jesus preached about the most in all the scriptures and all the gospels. And one of these days, there's going to be a homecoming for all this family, for all the perjurers, for all the liars. As we read, lion lips are an abomination to the Lord. In Revelation 21, 27, God is describing this city of Foursquare, this new Jerusalem, how beautiful he is. And then he says, but there shall be no means enter in anything that defiles. Anything that defiles it will not enter or causes abomination or a lie for those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. God is keeping books, but there's also book of life. Is your name written in the book of life? I want you to know that all of us here are liars, including myself. Uh, there's not a man, a woman, boy or girl who's just not guilty of breaking this commandment somehow. If you're, and if you're saying, I'm not guilty of it, you just lie. There's not a person, as we read, the wicked are estranged from the wound as soon as they are born speaking lies. And those will not inherit the kingdom of God. It might seem a little dark, but I want to tell you there is a way. One way that our record can be cleansed, one way can be washed out of those books and be transferred in the book of life. You know, I sat there and prepared this morning. I was reminded when Stella was a toddler and she loves ice cream, still does. But we went to a playground and she was playing in a sandbox. And I wanted to give her some ice cream. So I wanted to grab, grab some ice cream. When I came back, her mouth was full of sand. So where I intended to put something that she loves, she put sand. Did I love her any less with a dirty face and dirty mouth? Absolutely not. Was I going to leave her that way? Absolutely not. So I took her to the drinking fountain and washed it all away. And God does the same for us. He holds us over the fountain of his grace, forgiveness, and says, spit out all the dirt where I intend to put something good for you in there. Then he cleanses our sins, including the sin of false witness. In Isaiah 118, it says, come now. Let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are like crimson, they shall be as wool. 
And I want to tell you, by the grace of God, every blot, every blur, every, every blemish, every stain ever came across human soul, no matter what commandment they broke, when they come to God with an open heart and ask for forgiveness, the blood of Jesus cleanses that sin. And again, has that happened to you? I'm a liar. I've lied. But I praise that God's given me a new nature. And when my old nature wants to lie, my new nature does not want to lie. And I thank God for that new nature, and you can receive it too. And folks, we also need to remember, and I'm going to end with this verse. In Proverbs 19.5, it says this. False witness will not go unpunished. And he who speaks lies will not escape. Remember that. Maybe a work, we call them white lies, a lie is a lie. You will not escape. You might get by your boss. You might get away something for a while. But there's somebody up on heaven that's looking down on us. And let's remember that. Let's pray. Father, today we want to thank you that Jesus is a friend of sinners, and because we know that there exists a natural, uncovered human heart, there's incredible deception, the tendency to lie, deceit, to slander, it's all there, and we thank you that you not only forgive, we rejoice in that, but you can also make us new people, you give us a new, new nature that makes us love righteousness and hate all this iniquity and all this filth and dirt and line. Father, I pray for those that are here tonight that might not know you as Lord and Savior, who never trusted you. Help them to see their first step and to realize that Jesus' death was for them and that they believe on Christ and acknowledge their sin. And Lord, as we leave this place today, thank you for this wonderful fellowship, for the praised songs, prayers. And as we leave, let us not forget what we hear. And as we leave, I also ask that the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Amen. Amen.